Hello and welcome to the Sales Transformation Toolkit. I am Ben, as ever, your host, and I'm joined this time by Kirk Baitke. How are you, Kirk? I am very well, Ben. Nice to see you, I guess, virtually in this virtual world. Absolutely. As always, we're, we're sticking with cameras for now, and they will I'm sure they'll be with us for a while yet. <laughs> so why don't you start us off by introducing yourself to the audience, kind of who you are, some of your background, and what you do for us in connection with Mentor Group? Certainly. Well, I've had a uh, 25, 30-year career in uh, media and broadcast, so I've spent the bulk of my time in my uh, working career uh, being able to deliver information, present information, and uh, disseminate it in a way that people can understand. So it's like synthesizing a bunch of information and data and facts, and then representing that in a way that is digestible for an audience. So when I was transitioning into new careers, I had a chance to do uh, some management and leadership, get into that for a few years. Uh, I've also had a little bit of experience in uh, actual sales in media. And then when the opportunity came up to do some work with Mentor as a delivery consultant for the last two years, I have been uh, delivering both in person and virtually and doing that to varying uh, levels of expertise in the world of uh, of sales and experience. So uh, going from the presentation of information for a general public, now being a little bit more specialized in taking that information and delivering that in a meaningful way for uh, a sales audience. Yeah, interesting. It's quite a varied skill set in that sense. Yeah, one thing I've been lucky to do is uh, develop the uh, jack of all trades, master of few. And I think in this world, that can really be beneficial because you're able to kind of move with what uh, happens. And you know, given the last 20 months or so, people have had to be awfully darn flexible. And uh, that is the, the hallmark of 2021. So, yes, that brings us nicely into kind of what we're going to talk about uh, in this episode. We're talking kind of around versatility and what an asset that can be, particularly when it comes to to training and enablement. Um, obviously, h- how much of you moving around into kind of these different areas, how much of that involved you having to learn skills, both consciously sat down learning them, but also just as you go along? Well, it's really been never ending. It depends on, you know, the role and, and what you're doing and and as you know, industries evolve, their needs are going to change based on financial realities or on the ground realities. So mm-hmm. at some point, you're going to be needing to do skill set A and B, but then you move to a similar role in a different company, and now you need to do some of B, but now C becomes part of something that yeah. you need to do. So it really is, in my experience, it's been never ending. You're able to take some skills from before and bring them into current roles and maybe extrapolate like that into what could I need if I move into another role in the future. So it's that constant evolution. It's that constant training, that constant uh, awareness of I can't remain static in what I know. Otherwise, I'm going to get left behind. So that's been a really valuable thing for me is that every position and job and role I've been in, I've had to adapt and learn new things in order to be successful in that role. How much of that would you say has been driven by your own self-awareness of knowing that you need to adapt certain things and how much of that is driven by a a more top-down approach from management down to you? 
I think it's a combination of both. It, and it really mm. hasn't ever really been management driven. It's not like sure. you're going to do this. It's like, this is the role. If you want it, these are the expectations. And then we kind of work into those uh, those skill sets as we go. So it was really uh, a matter of circumstance. If I wanted to move into a certain role and do certain things, it was upon me to really learn a lot of those skill sets. As I moved further in my career and got into larger companies, there were training opportunities given, which certainly have helped, you know, get me to where I am in terms of my combination of skill sets. But uh, it was often, here's the role, hit the ground, go learn it. And it was just doing it on the fly, at least for a large part of my early career. Yeah. So for for us at Mentor Group, obviously, we are quite strong advocates for training and enablement. It kind of sits at the core of what we do. from your perspective, obviously having been around in lots of different areas, how valuable is a robust training and enablement program to an organization? Well, I think it's invaluable. I don't think you can put a monetary value on it just because mm-hmm. it shows that you are actively and maybe more accurately, proactively looking at the needs of your company and, the, and what you need out of your people and helping them evolve along the way. Uh, in my experience, the companies that have taken the time to work with their their key people, the ones that they see as up and comers, those who want to grow, those who are you know taking their career by the by the throat and wanting to move it forward, they are willing to work with them and give them the training they mm. need. So I, I think it's really important for the culture of the organization, the people on the ground, to know that you know what the, this company is investing its time in bettering its people. And that is really encouraging. Again, that's been my perspective. A lot of my Mm. colleagues who are in uh, a similar situation with a large company that we worked with for uh, about 10 years, that was one of the things that we talked about what, you know, about what made it such a great place to work. Like they reinvest in their people and they set aside time. They say, okay, you go do this for three, four days. We'll send you to here to go do this for a couple of days, or we'll bring somebody in to do a seminar for an afternoon to help build skills, whether it be sales, technology, leadership, management, whatever it happens to be. So from my perspective, any company that sets aside a percentage of its budget dedicated solely for the development of its own people is is fantastic. So in a sense, it's as much about the message that it conveys of, of the culture and the attitude towards growth and, and, and transformation as, as much about that as it is the training itself. Yeah, and I think it's as, it, it, it might not be as simple as one end of the spectrum or the other, but mm. if you think about it, if you have a company that invests X percent of their revenue into training and development, and that makes the the, the team, the staff, everybody feel good. And then you have another company that spends zero on development. Mm. You can imagine that, you know, on the other end, you'd say, well, they're not investing in me. Why, why would I invest myself in what's going on in this company? So it, it, it rarely are things that black and white, but when it comes to the perception within the culture of an organization, to me, it can be, you know, if you don't yeah, invest yeah. a thing, you're going to, you're running the risk of alienating a lot of people in your company. If you invest a little bit, or more, you're going to get that buy-in and that that reciprocity between you know the people on the ground giving it a little bit more for the company. Yeah, yeah, sure. The company saying, "Yeah, hey, we recognize that. We're going to give you the opportunity to grow within the company and develop and and become uh, more. You know, be a you know be a, a project manager or a leader or a VP, whatever it happens to be, as they you know climb up the ladder in the company." 
And I think we'll see that become more and more prominent with the with the generational shift, where the the Gen Z and and I think it's what they call the Alpha generation that are coming after, as these guys start infiltrating the workplace, their emphasis on values but also being valued it is going to link directly to that of making sure that obviously if you've got a level of investment in your people they're going to feel that and they're going to feel that recognition and not necessarily always but generally by and large invest back into that because they've been invested in yeah and i think the companies that don't invest in that they're, they're going to lose people uh, at their own peril like that's their own choice if they yeah. decide <laughs> that they're just going to run the business day to day and the people are going to come and go and treat them as uh you know, I hate to use the word, but I think it's accurate, you know, chattel in a way, yeah. <laughs> then people are going to, they're going to be, they're going to think that way. And they're going to, well, I'm just going to move on anyway, because I'm not getting any of that added value as you say, Ben. So uh, I really believe that if uh, a company can get behind that and do that in a meaningful way and a sincere and authentic way, that's going to go a long way to, you know, uh, minimizing staff turnover and promoting from within and, and just getting a really solid culture built. Yeah, absolutely. And I think culture is, it's kind of become a buzzword to an extent where you, you, people can say anything they want about culture. But it, as, as with any almost a cliche, there's always a level of truth that sits within it. And actually the importance of culture in a business go, probably extends a lot further than a lot of us realize. Yeah, I think people who don't understand culture in, in, in a corporation or a business might treat it as a buzzword because right. that's just yeah. a thing out there that I don't really <laughs> get. But those yeah. who I believe anyway, this is just my opinion. Yeah. Uh, those who do understand culture get it and they know the power yeah. that it can hold if it's if it's managed correctly. Yeah. So c coming back to the training and enablement side of it, what does the capacity or the ability to do to provide that training in-house what does that add to a business as opposed to having to rely on um, outside events or sort of like being able to do that in-house, whether that's through apps or your own kind of teams? I think what that does is it allows for continuity. It allows for uh, the message coming from those who are deciding to implement this development mm. plan uh, to have that message conveyed correctly to the people they are delivering it to. So, you know, the the corporate vision, larger strategic plans, you know, how the company is moving forward, uh, you know, things as, as small as jargon, language, what's the terminology a company uses? Yeah, uh, it can be very individualized. You know, I've been in, around, you know, multiple companies. And if you pull out a certain acronym, that's going to mean four different things to four different companies. Right. So yeah. if you can speak the language of the company that you're in, you know, there's that added buy in those people who are doing the training get it. So they're embedded, they're involved. And uh, the one company I worked with, they brought in an external trainer who uh, was very successful, but they brought him on salary to work for the company to help with training. And because he was up to speed on the lingo, the culture, the evolution, the path that the company was following, uh, his believability went from, you know, an eight and a half to like 11 because yeah. he just understood. He got it and he was able to take those visions and put it into words in, in, in a, a motivating way that, you know, got people fired up about where things were going on the company side. So I think it's really valuable. If you are able to find a, a quality trainer who can engage people, make it fun, have them really, uh, you know, get people in behind the overall corporate message and have them be in-house to do that on a regular basis. Boy, that's a, that's, that's a win-win scenario in my mind. Yeah, and so, so I guess you've got the two approaches where you could you could bring a trainer in and, and do their salary for some, or you could 
have have an app or a program that you could deliver in-house that kind of promotes that continued learning that people can just do at their desk as they're working. Yeah, and that's certainly a good option too. You know, we have been doing a lot of remote learning and, you know, lately bringing somebody in is just not feasible given the, mm. the facts of the pandemic. So it's been you know, basically just relying on people from outside. And that can be effective too. Uh, the thing is you have to be able to, you know, build that rapport, build that relationship. And if you can have, you know, uh, some consistency in the delivery from, you know, say an outside company like Mentor to a, a second outfit that's doing its training and you have, you know, one or two people delivering that training on an ongoing basis, you build rapport, the the outside trainer gets to learn more about the culture and, and how that company works and therefore making the training more effective. Mm. And being a trainer for Mentor, over the last year or so, I've had the opportunity to work with one specific company with a, a branch in Canada. And in my mind, the relationship that we've been able to build over the last 18 months or so has helped in the uh, in how effective the training has been over the last number of months as we've kind of evolved things. So it's not like I'm an in-house trainer for that company, but I've been with them long enough from the outside that I've built relationships. So I kind of yeah. get it. So you can still accomplish the same goal with outside training. It just might take a little longer and it depends on the company and how you want to go, but certainly having consistency in training and building that relationship as it, everything's about building relationships and, and yeah. building it around communication. If you can accomplish those things either in house or, you know, from outside, you will have a successful training program. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that rapport, as you said, that believability and connect that back to a level of personalization, I guess, or individualization within the training that again, on a slightly more subtle way, but it's, yeah. it communicates that similar message of this isn't some cookie cutter training approach. We're not just kind of bolting something and we've actually taken the time to sit down, consider the needs, know where we want to go with it and delivering this to you as an opportunity for you to access it. And I think the get to know you factor is really important too. You know, it's a different way of you know stating a relationship. But you know, if you allow yourself to be known as you know an individual, not just some talking head on a on a thirteen inch LCD screen, yeah. you're going to build that relationship. You have similar experiences. It's the same kind of a concept. You get to know them. You build that believability. You get that rapport, and then generally the training goes better because you just you know where each other's coming from. You deal with the material. You go through it people feel better about it. And that's the point of training. Yes, I got something out of it. I'm going to implement this. I'm going to be better. And uh, then you factor in manager buy-in. Uh, you get that yeah. level, then mm -hmm. you're off to the races. So again, it can work really, really well done properly. Yeah, done properly is always going to be the caveat yes. with almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Yeah, so we, I said at the beginning, we want to key in on this, uh, the aspect of versatility. And we kind of want to look at this in two angles, I guess. The first of which is what does being versatile mean for a learner? As somebody who's, being, who's receiving training, consuming content, what does being versatile mean for that person? And that's a really good question. I was pondering that because you sent us the notes earlier. And I was looking, <laughs> well, how, do, how do we want to tackle this? But I think versatility 
to me, whether you're a learner or uh, a trainer is open mindedness. If you're yeah. looking at it as, you know, uh, just a one path, a one way, uh, a one solution to get through problem X, you're not going to have a lot of success. So I think if you come in as a learner and you're versatile in your thinking, uh, you allow yourself to be a little bit more creative, then you're going to be open to some of the things that are brought up in a training session. Uh, versatility can also apply to how you learn. You know, some yeah, people sure. learn really, really well in the in-person and they really struggle virtually. And that's that's a real thing. And I think it's important to recognize that in remote learning, the, you know, both the, the trainer and the learner, they need to be a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more diligent. And that's really the difference between, uh, you know, doing things virtually and doing things uh, uh, in person, especially as it re relates to sales, you know, going through processes and plans and prep and calls and all of, all of the steps along the way. The one thing that we keep coming back to in the training for the sales specifically is the difference between in person and virtual is virtually you have to be a little more diligent. So yeah. that's where versatility, you know, really comes in. And I think in, in speaking to that, if I can just maybe go over to the trainer part of it, mm -hmm. uh, I think if Absolutely. you what you can do is when you're working with the people and if the situation allows it, the one thing that I really believe in as, as a leader is if you can foster an environment where people are comfortable thinking outside the box, so there's a level of versatility, and living in the space where they feel that they can try something different or try something new without fear of reprisal. Where they're right. yeah. where they're rewarded for creativity as opposed to punished for something that didn't work. So yeah. I think there's a really fine line there. And some organizations, there's a higher tolerance for that than others. And I recognize that. But if you are able to provide that that space where someone feels by being versatile, they can be creative, they can try new things, they can think a little differently, and they're able to take ownership of some of the things that they want to do on a, on a sales call or a bit of a process, then that's where you can really get a lot of mileage and a lot of mm. ownership and traction and start building some of that culture as we talked about. You know, I'm owning this, but I have the flexibility to do things a little bit differently. So when it comes to that versatility, it, it can mean a lot of different things depending on what part of the you know, training process you're talking about. But really, I think at the, at the end of the day, going back to the opening comment that I had about it is just open-mindedness, being yeah. willing to look at things a little bit differently. And the same goes for a trainer. If you're sitting here thinking, well, I'm just going to sit here and talk for a half an hour, they're going to take it away <laughs> and be done with it. That yeah. just is not going to work. You have to be able to think open-mindedly and go, how can I do things differently to be able to connect with the people on the other end? Yes, yeah, so there's the open-mindedness, as you said, in kind of what you're going to get out of the session, but also I think it was interesting that the open-mindedness in how you're going to learn it, as opposed to yeah. flip side of that then for the trainer, is that there's an open-mindedness about the content that you do bring, and also then an open-mindedness about how you bring it. Mm -hmm. Because if you get into a session and you're finding that there are a lot of blank stairs and roadblocks and they just don't get it, yeah. Clearly, then it's on the trainer to say, okay, well, how there something's missing. What do I need to change on the fly to be able to get this across? So, you know, whether it be uh, anecdotes or uh, uh, analogies or stories or anything that can help bring yeah. the content to the audience in a way that they understand. 
then you're going to be a little more effective. And that goes back to what I was saying at the really at the at the beginning of our conversation, being able to take information, synthesize it, and deliver it in a yeah. way that is digestible for the audience. So it's really being able to do all that on the fly. So that if, if you know, versatility, therefore, is inherent <laughs> in this process. If you can't yeah, be versatile, you're going to run into some problems from time to time. Yeah, because you can't click your fingers and get a new audience. You can exactly. you, you have to fit yourself into the environment you find yourself in. Exactly. You mentioned briefly about fostering an environment of, of versatility, adaptability, creativity. Um, how, how do you think you can best do that within an organization, either as an external consultant coming in or as management within your own business? Well, I, I think it go, I don't want to be repetitive, but I, I do want to repeat it because yeah. it's important. I think what's really key is that uh, you are able to you know build the rapport with the people that you're working with and create that environment where they feel they own a portion of the process, whether it's their own process or they're in a, a team of you know multiple people where they feel they own a part of the process and can be very effective. And I think for people to feel that they can work, they can color outside the lines a little bit Mm -hmm. for them to feel they can be more than what they are. I can do this, but I can also do that is again, to go back and encourage creativity and embrace the learning opportunities that comes with versatility, as opposed to punishment and negative reaction when it results in a mistake or a problem or an error. So it, it, so that's, that's where it's incumbent upon the, 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 immediate leader plus the leadership above to say you know that we're okay with this Mm -hmm. you know we this is our tolerance level for for error you know some companies it's like this you know my my arms are you know six feet wide and now they're six inches across right some companies you you have large and, and small tolerances for error so i think if a company can identify what their tolerance is and allow their people to play within those tolerances give them that freedom that flexibility that ownership saying okay i can do a to b on this situation and try something new or i can go a to z and do something different at a larger scale i believe that will create an an opportunity for people to feel they can be more creative and more versatile and and just being very adaptable because they're not stuck in their own box they're saying i i can be more than just what i've been you know brought in to do and if you have that support from management and above that's when you that's when the real wins happen yeah so there's i guess there's an extent to which you've got the argument of principle and uh, versus process to an extent where you can have certain principles within uh training and communication and anyone that you would you would strictly adhere to the principle of it the process of how you go about reaching that point mm-hmm. can shift and change and can be encouraged within the organization to also shift and change some of the training that i'm uh, still doing and, and wrapping up uh, here in the, in the next couple of weeks uh, that's something that we have run across where we've delivered you know the principle here's what the best you know practices are but then there's a conversation around well how does that fit within our process mm-hmm. and fortunately and the, the group that I'm working with, the, the manager of this group is involved. So I will defer to that person and say, what do you think? Where Where's that balancing act between, you know, the hardcore principle, following that to the best you can, but still adapting that to what you guys are doing and, and how you function as a, as a group, you know, vis-a-vis culture. Yeah. So we we went down that road and, and we recognized that uh, there has to be a little bit of give and take depending on the situation. But the in my experience, the successful companies are the ones that say, yeah, here's the best practice. We're going to live through this the best way we can. 
can. But we're also going to give ourselves a little bit of latitude to customize it in the way that we can best do it and how you can best do it as a salesperson. Because everybody's got their own skill sets, their strengths, their weaknesses. So, you know, play on the strengths, build the weaknesses, you know, allow for that creativity. And if people are finding their way, if they're, a, you know, a new member of the team or they're trying to break into new territory and they're not too sure how to do it, you have to have that freedom to be adaptable, flexible, and versatile. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to run into trouble. So again, you know, we talk about versatility being inherent in training. I think adaptability and uh, creativity inherent in this process, even though there are prescribed pathways, if you can allow for a little bit of play here and there and coach people on, you know, something that they tried creatively, uh, create, you know, creatively that worked really well. Say, hey, yeah. we stumbled upon something here, guys. This is something we can add to the magic sauce. Yeah, and, and go from there because that's that's where innovation comes. And if you're uh, if you're unable to be adaptable and flexible, innovation is not going to be as easy, I don't think. So yeah. <laughs> that that's that that's where that you know subject lands in my mind. You you, you kind of need a little bit of all of it to to make it work well. Yeah, fantastic. To, to wrap us up then, um, as a kind of a blind question, don't think I include this in our little show sheet. As a blind question to you, what? You've been doing this for, I think you said at the beginning, 25, 30 years or so across different arenas, different industries. What do you think has been the most valuable lesson that you've learned? Most valuable lesson? I think the most valuable lesson that I've learned is uh, people in management and leadership positions in whatever organization, whatever it happens to be, needs to be comfortable with, uh, they need to be comfortable with mistakes. And again, we're, we're talking about what's tolerable within your industry. If we're talking the medical industry, there's zero tolerance. So yeah. it's a little bit of a different conversation. Yeah. But I think if you are able to show as a leader that you foster the environment where, you know, go try new things. If, if something's not working, try something new. If you want to bounce something by me, bring it by, talk to your colleagues, whatever it happens to be, but don't be, don't limit yourself in what you think you can do. Go out there, try something different. If it doesn't work, let's bring it back. We'll debrief and yeah. figure out how to do it better next time. Or if you try something new and it works, as I just mentioned, Hey, here's something we can all do and uh, make things better. So uh, where I've felt the most stifled and uh, discouraged are in places that uh, didn't allow for mistakes, didn't allow for, you know, the freedom of thought. It's like, no, this is what you need to do and just do it this way. And don't worry about trying to be creative. And that was very, very disheartening. So if there's one thing I can take away from, uh, you know, 30 years in industry and training and management and leadership and, you know, being on the ground is if you know your leader has your back, mm. you're going to go a long way. And and that, I think if I can sum it up in a very short sentence, that's yeah, yeah. what it would be. If your leader's got your back, you're going to be okay. Take the risks and make sure that you've got the backs of your people, essentially. That's it's, it's exactly right. Yep. Fantastic. Well, this has been a delightful conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, and yeah, it's been wonderful talking to you. I'm very sure we'll have you on again before too long. This has been great. Sounds, sounds good, Ben. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of a Sales Transformation Toolkit podcast from Mental Group. You can find our podcast on Apple Music, on Spotify, or any other major podcast provider. You can also follow our social media channels on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, and of course, on LinkedIn.